1: Today, Brandon and I interview Mesa Hanawi of In The Box PT, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you because it's such a cool conversation. We talk about Mesa's background and how she got to where she is today, opening up a cash-based practice right out of school. We talk about her affiliation with Made To Move PT and our friend Eve Gigi, who's been on the podcast before. So if you haven't already, go back and check out Eve's episode, episode 30. Mace is doing so many cool things. She's posting on Instagram daily with things like her Performance wad. She's coming out with programs like her new program, Knee Strong, and she even has her own podcast. We talk about all those things and more. So this conversation was one of my favorites, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. I do want to apologize for some of the background noise. I'm currently in the airport in Miami on my way back from Guadalooza as we record this episode. So there is the occasional sound of the loudspeaker or somebody talking as they walk by. So I want to apologize in advance for that. But I think you're still going to enjoy today's episode. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds and go on iTunes and leave us a review, preferably five stars. It's how we move the meter and reach more people. So we really appreciate it. Thanks in advance. It's also a great opportunity to leave a comment or a question on something you want us to talk about on a future episode. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Mason and
0: Happy Monday, and welcome to a special episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today, we're joined by our guest, Dr. Meza Hanawi of In the Box PT in Charleston, South Carolina. That's my Stopping stomping grounds. She's got her own practice, has her own podcast, and is putting out all kinds of good content out there on the internet. So, Meza, thank you for joining us. Glad to have you here.
2: Thank um, you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Real excited to dive into all these topics. But first, before we talk about that, Josh... Took a whole freaking tour bus of athletes, qualifying athletes down to Miami to Wadapalooza. I kept up with it on Instagram, looked like a good time. It kind of reminds me of college spring break, except there's a bunch of fitness enthusiasts there. So everybody's drinking kombucha and going to bed by nine. But it uh, <laughs> looked like a fun weekend, man. How'd your athlete do? Oh,
1: man, it was fun. You know, it's such a long weekend, you know, three full days of competition with multiple events each day. So you know, everybody has, you know, a few you know, great events and maybe an event that didn't go the way that was planned or or something like that. And, and over the course of the weekend, it can get, uh, you know, it can be tough to, to stay in it mentally in such a long weekend, but I'm really proud of everybody. Um, you know, had some great finishes, some top 10s, some top 20s, you know, uh, it was pretty pretty tough field, especially now that this was one of the, what's called a sanctioned event in CrossFit, now the new model, which people may or may not be aware of, where you have to go to these sanctioned events to Ah, uh, to qualify, right? So, um, you got to win these to go to the CrossFit Games now. So the uh, ante has definitely been up at a lot of these, um, you know, other competitions. So it was a really fun experience. I'm actually in the airport, about to fly back. So hopefully, uh, you know, if you hear any random sounds or over the loudspeaker uh, in the background, that's probably what's going on. Uh, somebody, uh, you know, hopefully, I don't miss my flight. We should be good. But uh, yeah, it's been a fun weekend, man. I can't, I can't complain.
0: So it's, a, it's a sanctional. So. So, Glassman came and got rid of regionals, and this yep. is basically the first one now
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you know, Wadalo it's known for having the freak shows out there, man, so now this one's probably subject to drug testing. I mean we know we know p d s are frowned upon, but you know we want to see them freaks, man, we want to see them 405 cleaning jerks, but um those those Icelandic chicks, man, were they out there
1: um you had a few um. You had a few international competitors, of course. Um, I think from Iceland specifically. I know Sarah Sigurzadur was was here. Um, she was in, you know, in the top five. I think but I looked, I'm not sure how the female individual elite uh, finish. That was one of the divisions. I didn't have anybody in this competition, so I didn't necessarily follow it too closely. But um, yeah, you you get the best of the best. You know, they're you know of the you know 40 elite males and maybe 30 elite females. I'd say probably at least half have games experience, if not more. And then they're the elite teams, you know, uh, you know, also filled with games athletes. So um, it's a pretty uh, pretty intense con- a competition. And I love your spring break analogy because it really is like a festival. So CrossFit meets spring break. Um, I think that's the perfect way to describe the whole festival aspect of what So
0: I've been wondering now that you actually were at the competition and you've kind of been around all the athletes, like how do they feel about that change from the regionals to the sanctionals? Because I've seen both sides of it. I've seen some people are salty about it, but – I mean, end of the day, no one's gonna do anything about it. They're just gonna keep crossfitting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, you know, crossfit still really, really a relatively new sport if you think about it. You know, the first games was in 2007, so we're just past a decade. And you know, if you look at any other major sport, there were changes really early on and sometimes significant changes. I mean, look at football, adding a helmet, face mask or um, baseball, you know, changing, you know, they, they've had different changes as well too, adjusting the height of the mound, the distances of different things. Like there's, there's always changes that happen with sports before it kind of finds its groove. Um, and I actually like it from a, um, a standpoint of making it to where people can be more like professional athletes. Uh, it gives them the chance to win more money um, and make a living doing it. If they are the best of the best. Um, it, it, uh, it kind of, spreads out the competition season a little bit in in terms of, you know, it's not February and then May then August. It's like you can pick and choose when and where you want to go. You can kind of game it a little bit. Um, So I think it's going to be good in the long run. Um, I think some of the, the top athletes recognize that. I think some, you know, you know, again, change sometimes is tough for people. I think the people that really kind of hurts is the, the fringe regional athletes who their goal was just, I want to make regionals. And that's a lot of the people I work with it's like I want to make regionals one day. Um, because, you know, that's like their, their games, their Super Bowl there. And now that that's gone, now it's like, okay, well, we got to try to qualify for one of these events. So I think that population didn't necessarily love it but i think long term it could be pretty good for for crossfit as a sport
0: sure yeah because i know i know glassman came out and said that the whole point was to place the emphasis back on the wellness side of things and and to take the focus away from competition i don't fully believe that you know we know glassman's a smart businessman but i think he also struck gold a little bit with crossfit and he knows that what gets hot must cool down um so you got to evolve just like any other type of business so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the next year or so
1: yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. I think they'll refine the process over over time, um, and and I'm sure we'll end up with something that uh, that really works well.
0: Boom, there you have it. So, if you want to qualify for one of these CrossFit sanctionals, win competitions, be the best version of yourself, hit up Carolina Performance Training. Uh, hit them up on Instagram. What's what's your handle again, Josh? It's, uh, it's CBT underscore Strength.
1: Yep, at CPT right. underscore strength. I appreciate the shout yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, man.
0: Scroll, for those, scroll through those photos. Everyone's on the podium. There's six-pack abs everywhere. It's just a bunch of winners. Get on that CPT program.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, Meza, how you doing?
2: Good. How are you?
0: Good. Thank you again for joining us. So what I thought we'd do is just you know, maybe have you just tell us your story. Talk us about how and why you got in this field being a physical therapist. and We'll go from there.
2: Yeah, so I actually grew up overseas in Dubai my whole life, and then moved to North Carolina for college. I was studying biology and didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I got a job being a student trainer for the NC State football team, and so I was kind of exposed to PT through that, didn't really know a lot about it before that, got to see a lot of different wild injuries that come with college football and thought that was really cool. And then my senior year of college, I tore up my knee, tore my ACL, MCL meniscus and had a lot of rehab myself. And that kind of solidified that that's what I wanted to do. So I made my way to Charleston to go to MUSC for physical therapy school. And from there, um, kind of my route to cash base, which I'm sure is where this is going. I did a lot of clinicals, obviously, with school, and I knew I was interested in the sports medicine side of things. I found CrossFit during PT school, was coaching it, and I was kind of disappointed with a lot of the outpatient orthopedic clinicals I was in, just in the fact that they were treating such high volume was my main kind of concern as a student, that they were seeing, you know, two to three patients an hour at a lot of clinics, seeing 20-plus patients a day. And that kind of turn and burn of a lot of insurance based clinics was not my favorite. So I kind of had this idea. We had a business class, my last my second year of PT school where you had to come up with this business model. And I came up with in the box PT thinking it was just a school project, it would be fun. And then somehow landed making it a real business and making
0: it happen. (laughs) That's awesome. So I got to back up just a second. You came from, you went from Dubai where there's tennis courts (laughs) on skyscrapers. (laughs) What was that culture shock like?
2: Um, Well, Dubai is a really super modernized, super westernized. I'm actually half Lebanese, half American, but I had come, I mean, my mom's American. I'd come to the States lots of times. I have two older sisters who both went to, nc state for college so it's kind of just following um i guess the biggest difference is dubai is like the biggest melting pot there's so many nationalities like my high school alone had i think 82 nationalities so i'd say that's the biggest difference of just being super like culturally diverse environment but besides that i don't think there was a crazy big culture shock (laughs)
0: Fair enough, I mean it's I've only seen like the the just the footage of like the amazing like the, again like the huge buildings they got freaking tennis courts on them um all kinds of stuff like that I mean
2: yeah, Dubai's uh, super it's, latest it's, and greatest yeah, for sure yeah,
0: yeah I, I Josh, you might get a chance to go there isn't that where one of these uh sanctionals is? later on yeah in
1: year? yeah I had a an athlete qualify for that one and then the and then qualify for Australia and they're pretty they're like a month and a half apart. I wasn't going to be able to make both work, nor would I have wanted her to really try to compete at both of those in that shortest time span. Yeah. And she lives in Hawaii, so Australia was a, a little easier of, of a trip to make work. So uh, she goes to Australia. Actually, she leaves, I think, tomorrow morning. Yeah, short yeah Yeah.
0: Well, Meza, Meza, so that's that's awesome. So you actually pretty much got to plan your business while you are in school. So I imagine that saved you a lot of work. And <laughs> went straight into cash bait, like right out of school, first job. First job yeah. practice. that practice. That, that's super impressive. A lot of people just don't <laughs> have you. the guts to do that. Um, was there any kind of any resistance whenever you decided to make that decision?
2: Yeah, so I definitely, that wasn't my plan. So I, I had my last rotation with Eve from Made to Move, who you've had on the podcast already. And I kind of had this in-the-box idea. I'd started some social media for it, was getting a website up. And so he knew about it because I was a student. So I told him, and my plan was to make this potentially a side hustle. Like, I'm just going to do this on the side, grow it, see what happens. And within my first week of being a student with Eve, I was just like, wow, this makes so much sense. Why is this not what everybody's doing? And I think it was probably a week and a half into my clinical that Eve just looked at me. We're super similar, kind of finish each other's sentences and the PT side of things. We just clicked. He was like, do you want to do this full time? Like, do you want to make in the box happen? And I was like, yeah. And then he was like, all right, we'll talk tomorrow. And the next day I came in and I think he like whipped out the whiteboard and we just sat for a couple hours and planned it all out. And I was like, okay, this is happening. I think that made it more realistic having a partner with Eve and having a, a team behind me and having someone who knows the business side of things. So I wasn't kind of a new grad in the dark. I definitely had some help and that made it way more feasible.
0: For sure. Yeah. Eve is, Eve is the man. He's he's super knowledgeable <laughs> on that side of things. Very generous with his knowledge too. I know he's constantly putting out stuff. But I yeah. I know that uh, you know after talking with Eve and and a little bit before this podcast that that model is is a little bit different about how in the box PT is is basically a, a licensee of Eve's company made to move. Did I get that right? Would you mind explaining that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so it is kind of different. I feel like a lot of people always ask me that question because. It's not something people are doing. I think it's kind of new. So essentially, I own In the Box BT. It's my baby, my business. I can kind of run it however I want, but I am a franchise of made to move. So I consider Eve my partner. I guess I pay him a franchise fee, and through that, he's kind of my mentor, my business partner. We meet every week. He helps me with the admin side, the marketing side, and then just to have a PT mentor to talk about patient ideas with and bounce ideas off of. So yeah, I guess that's, we joke about how it's like Chick-fil-A and he owns Chick-fil-A and I'm one of the
0: stores. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So that, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And um, that's, you know, there are, there are some uh, franchises, you know, in the, in the PT world um, I guess just more traditional clinics, kind of like you described earlier but mm-hmm. this is kind of the first I've heard of the cash-based model. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. We are, we are pioneers. That's going to be. <laughs> uh, could, that could explode. That could be really big. Yeah. yeah um, for our,
1: list, our listeners might want to know more about Eve, what he's got going on. That was episode 30. If you want to go back and listen to that, just to, to kind of tag that in the episode.
0: So, Meza, tell us a little bit about, because you know, we have, so our audience, we have everyone from from patients to physical therapists to physical therapy students, but would you mind explaining a little bit about, you know, why a patient may consider going out of network versus seeing a physical therapist that's in their network? Um, you know, I, I, I we've yeah. talked about this before in past episodes, but you know, I'd like to talk about that and then exactly what kind of makes makes you different than the other physical therapists in your area.
2: Yeah, definitely. This is something I'm super passionate about talking about. Um, So, to just give you an idea, I guess, of what in the box PT is, I am a dynamic cash based PT. So, I have a portable PT table and supplies in my car, and I travel to a different gym every single day. And I have office hours and I set up shop on the gym floor typically. Um, Most of my gyms are CrossFit gyms. That's kind of my niche. But um, I think that the biggest difference with, as far as me and most cash-based PTs I know, is we tend to be athletes of some sort. We tend to train. I coach CrossFit throughout PT school. I still coach now. I work out every single day. I think that I treat everyone, whether you're a high level or not, like an athlete. Um, That's where I think the biggest changes are made. I know that not always, but if you go to a traditional PT clinic, most of my patients who have done that, the experience we've had is that they are being seen with one to three other patients at the same time in a 45-minute block. And... They're getting pretty generic cookie cutter care. It's like, here's a band, do three sets of 10 of this exercise, and I'll be back in 30, 45 seconds to see if you're still doing it. And then I'll give you another arbitrary exercise, and then we'll send you on your way. And I think, unfortunately, with the volume that a lot of clinics are seeing, that's how care typically goes. Um, I get to spend a full hour, if not more, with my patients. I build them a super individual, individualized plan of care. I think being in the gym, I just have access to barbells and kettlebells and tea bags and different things that I can use with all my patients that you just don't have in a typical clinic. And then also, I talk to my patients on a very regular basis. Most of my patients are sending me workout videos, texting me. I have They have 24-hour access to me, which just makes, I think, their plan of care go so differently.
0: No, that's outstanding. So it's almost like you you partner with them along the way. You're with them through the whole process. I mean, that's, I think, what we all sort of envision whenever we get into PT school, that it's going to be like that whenever you graduate. But it seems like we kind of have to really go out of our way to find or make these type of clinics to be able to set this this kind of thing up. Um, so definitely going all in on CrossFit, going all in on cash base do you Do you foresee so now that you've been doing this for a while, um, do you do you foresee that in network clinics are gonna I, I don't know die off for lack of a better word in the future?
2: Um, I don't think it's in the near future, but I definitely think it's in like maybe the five to ten year future. Um, I think there's a time and place for it, and it's definitely not in the higher functioning population. I think most of my patients, there are obviously, I know some good insurance based PTs, in network PTs, but they're few and far between. I think most of my patients who come to see me have had a bad experience in that setting on cash base. Um, I also just think like, I don't know if you know about SteadyMD, which is like Julie Fouché's husband does like a subscription based primary Mm -hmm. care physician Mm -hmm. and it's like you can Skype and you have 24 hour access and I think generally like all healthcare, is moving towards that model because we know if you can do preventative care and have more access like in the long run that saves money and it prevents injury and promotes kind of a lifestyle change rather than let's just treat this one thing I think that's the direction we're moving in or hopefully that's what I'm trying to move people in
0: yeah for sure yeah No, I think, um, you know, I think cash base is great. Um, especially from an altruistic standpoint, like you just said, I mean, I did it for two and a half years and, you know, I know that the patient's going to have a great experience. They're going to get a good impression of the physical therapy profession, especially if it's their first time and Mm -hmm. they're usually going to get better. And, uh, typically whenever I have a patient, say, maybe it's a college student who's headed back home for the summer, I'm usually going to recommend a cash based clinic in their area for those reasons. Um, you know, sometimes the, the issue I have with, cash base is that, you know, I think that, that sometimes PT shoot themselves in the foot from the business side of things, you know, that old adage of everything in moderation, it applies to most things in life. And I think it probably should with business as well. You know, because if we look at the puppy mill clinic, like you described, or patients are getting double and triple book, that's one extreme. And then cash base being the other extreme, you might have some balance and, and maybe some, maybe some more success by meeting somewhere in the middle. And what I mean by that is, you know, you don't have to accept insurances that, aren't going to pay you anything. Um, you know, we can, you know, I'm, probably, I'm not going to name any in particular South right now, but you can accept the ones that are you're going to be profitable. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to get in network with every single person. Um, and I guess the worst that can happen is that you'll, you know, be able to serve more people and, and you can still keep the quality of care high and, and then maybe get to grow your practice. I don't know, but how, how has that been going for you? How has the growth been since you started?
2: Um, it's been growing a ton. Obviously it hasn't been super long. I graduated last summer, got past boards and then started, but I think um, just for me, the biggest thing that's helped with my growth is learning what gyms and what settings are going to promote me or promote cash-based PT or not even cash-based, just kind of this model of strength and conditioning PT is what I guess I would call it or non-traditional. So there's obviously some people who get it and some people who don't. And I'm finding the gym owners and the coaches and the doctors that understand The importance of this kind of altruistic or holistic care that we're talking about is how it grows. And I think, like you said, there's—I mean—Vertex does an awesome job of having a hybrid model, and there's definitely great clinics that do it that way. I think some of the ways I've tried to expand or reach different audiences is with like online programs. Like I just released an online knee program for knee rehab, and that's kind of a little more universal than. I guess, cash based PT or a little easier barrier to entry.
0: Yeah. I love that ad that, uh, that sponsored ad. I think that came across my newsfeed like two weeks ago. You did a really good job with that.
2: Awesome. Thank you.
0: So you got more of those coming out.
2: That's the plan.
1: (laughs) So tell us a little more about the the knee one specifically, you know, if they, if somebody, you know, who really is it for, and then how do they find it? How much does it, you know, how much does it cost? How long is it? Can you give us some of the rundown on that?
2: Yeah. So knees are kind of my jam. I obviously <laughs> went through knee rehab myself, so I feel super confident with that. And I just think it's a common thing. Like anyone who moves and works out has probably had some sort of knee and back pain. That's just basically how it goes at some point in their life. Um, but this program, um, Knee Strong is what it's called. You can find it on In The Box PT's Instagram bio. It has a link in it. It is a 10-week program. It's three times a week, 10 to 20 minutes of knee exercises. And it's targeting people who are not having like debilitating knee pain that are pretty active, but are having some type of knee pain or instability during their activity. So they just want to build stronger, more resilient, healthier knees. And it goes through kind of a progression of, it starts with some loaded mobility, then stability, and then towards the end we get towards like agility and higher level things. I, I like treat that. mainly CrossFit athletes, so that's what it targets, but it works well for any athletes. I have a few triathletes that are on it, just people that are doing kind of higher level activity.
1: Nice. Now, do you, well. now, yeah, does it now, when, if I'm coming in there, does it, does the program look kind of upstream and downstream too from the need to maybe um, kind of address you know, the people who maybe it's a, yeah, an Yeah, there's hip yeah.
2: stability, ankle stability. Yeah, it's all in there a lot. Actually, like I had someone beta test it before I put it out there, one of my patients, and he was like, wow, there's so much like ankle and hip stuff that I didn't know was weak that I'm now doing. <laughs> like, that's perfect. Awesome.
0: No, that's a, uh, that's a awesome way to, I guess, the term that always gets used, bridge the gap, you know, between mm-hmm. the PT and the uh, performance side of things. That's awesome, awesome way to use those millennial skills to uh to yeah. to create these things. Man. We gotta we gotta get on this Josh. We gotta we gotta
2: That's millennial awesome. skills. I love that.
1: Uh, I may I may uh pick your brain on um, a little bit more from the, the social media and the video editing and all that. I'm about as as technology challenged as anyone out there. Um so I may uh, you may be getting a call from me one of these
2: days. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah I I love Instagram. That's my biggest kind of platform for sure.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I noticed you're putting out more on Instagram um, from a daily perspective on some things that people can do too. Can you talk about your performance stuff that you're putting out daily?
2: Yeah. So I started this actually this month called Performance Wad, which I think is what you're talking about. For your non-CrossFitters, WAD is just workout of the day, but I'm sure most people <laughs> listening to this probably have heard that term before. But mm-hmm. um, so kind of how it started was actually with a patient. So I had a patient who's very high-functioning, um, super strong CrossFit athlete, CrossFit coach. And I was programming her exercises and I was like, this doesn't seem to be fitting her. Like I want to do something different. So I started programming performance-wide. So she loves volume and has kind of a with volume control. So I was like, here's a way to get in the stability exercises you need, add some volume that you're craving, but in a healthy way. So I started just programming performance wads for her. And I was like, I think this is a really good thing for people to do. I do it all the time. I'll come up with another workout that's just supplemental things that are really good for your body. So these performance wads you can use as a warm-up, a cool-down, or just a healthy way to add volume. It's a lot more strict movements. I think I love CrossFit. I'm a CrossFit geek for sure. But I think sometimes we miss the ball on doing things for quality. Or just to move well, so these tend to be, you know, three to five rounds or ten minutes of just quality, a lot of strict movements, a lot of stability stuff that is challenging. It's not easy. It's not what people typically think of rehab as, but if you do that on a day-to-day basis, it's gonna just help you move better, feel better. Get, like it's basically tendon and joint health, is what I would like to think of it as.
1: That's awesome. though. I love that, and I love how um, how you worded increasing volume but in a safe and healthy way because I deal with that all the time when I start with a new athlete is that sometimes I look at their their training log previous when they come to me and the amount of volume that they're doing relative to where I think they probably, you know, maybe need to be, it's just incredible sometimes to disconnect. And they wonder why their performance has suffered. They have these aches and pains and and now it's, you know, manifesting, you know, they're, they're, they're overtraining essentially is now manifesting these different, um, you know, physical things that they're going through. And, and so a lot of times they're, they're amazed at like, you know, how talking start decreasing volume a little bit with them. It's like, for some of them, it's really tough to grab onto mentally. It's, oh my gosh, I'm doing less than I was doing before. And so I love the idea that you can add, you know, this, this healthy volume in there that, that gives them the time in the gym um, that, they're, that they're looking for, but um, really, you know, is something that's, that's supportive of what they're doing versus, you know, being detrimental because it's too much.
2: Yeah, that's exactly how I look at it. It's kind of funny because I think a lot of times when you're not working with athletes or people who are working out, it's like the opposite. You're trying to motivate them to do something. And now I'm like trying to figure out how to get them to do less or get them to do quality stuff thinking that it's more volume kind of. Yeah, But yeah, definitely. I think that also, I mean, you guys get it. You got to treat a person to the level that they're performing at and doing like, Oh, here's some typical exercises not going to work. So if you make it in the form of a wad, they're going to like it a lot more. They're going to be more compliant and yeah, it's just, it's just healthier. they are going to move better.
1: Yeah. And that's a very important much like Sorry, but I was just going to say it's very much like um, what uh, Mitch and Zach, or Mitch and Mitch's friend Zach, uh, say all the time with like their re-moms uh, in terms of their rehab e-moms and, and structuring it in a way that looks like a workout. And, and I mm-hmm. found that that helps so much. So uh, I was just going to, you know, just throw that in there too. Yeah, yeah and I think that's
0: why, why experience matters so much too, because you got to, you got to understand the psychology of it, you know, from when you're treating these patients and meet them where they're at or else. Your compliance probably going to be where it needs to be. And uh, by the way, I just want to remind our listeners real quick that uh, Josh is recording from the uh, the Miami airport. Uh, so there's a little bit of background noise in there. Josh, how many fanny packs you seeing in the airport right now?
1: Um, you know, I actually, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the truth, man. Some some people down here have some really cool style. I'm a little jealous. Um, I'm in my basement. You know, you know, joggers and, and sweatshirts, you know, and, and I get, there's some people dressed to the nines walking through the airport. And so not too many fanny packs, but I'm, I'm impressed.
0: They're making a comeback, man. School's back in, and, and I keep up with my fashion trends through my college clientele. Um, I don't mess with most of it because I'm about 10 years away from being that old uncle that tried real too hard to be cool. But, but, man, dude, the fanny pack seems functional. You can fit so much stuff in there. But,
2: we actually had a row raiser for Special Olympics in Charleston this week, and there was so many people wearing fanny packs at this event. I was like, is this a new thing that I don't know about?
0: Dude, they're, they're yeah. putting it putting around their shoulders and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to get one in a couple of weeks. Let's see how it goes. See if I can pull it off. Well, amazing. Oh, yeah.
1: I think it's great for safety, too. Airport safety, man. You got you have all your essentials right there in front of you. Like, nobody can grab onto you. You're not going to fall out of your pocket. <laughs> Function.
0: That's all right. Yeah. Well, Maisa, so one other thing I wanted to make sure we touched on was your your new podcast. I mean, that's, uh, y'all are what, four or five episodes in yeah. and it's you and yeah. Hannah Briel. Shout out, yeah. to Bur- shout out to Hannah. I got to know her. Um, she was an intern for us for a little bit. If you gets it, go Gamecocks. What's your podcast all about?
2: Yeah, she's awesome. So my podcast is the IVX Tour. We're basically going from gym to gym in Charleston and interviewing gym owners on all things CrossFit. We have mixed it up a little bit with doing kind of a rant episode last week, which was pretty fun. And we're going to mix in some some athletes, some regionals athletes, and different things. But basically, talking about just the CrossFit lifestyle and what got people into the journey to owning a gym, and then some fun stuff about our favorite workouts and different kinds of things. But yeah, our last episode. We did a whole episode on why CrossFit was bad for you, ironically, obviously, which was super funny because lots of people sent so much hate messages before they listened to it, thinking I was being serious. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and Hannah Brill's awesome. She's a PT student and Crossfits with me, and is kind of just on the same wavelength, so it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've listened to the first couple. Really liked it a lot. Good format. Y'all are super entertaining. So, um, tell the yeah, tell 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 listeners where they can find that.
2: Yeah, it's the IBX tour on iTunes, Spotify. We do it through Anchor, so it kind of spews it out to all all nine realms. But iTunes is the easiest one to find it on.
0: Love it. So one very general question. So I know that we're going to have a lot of people listening, especially they see the description talking about cash-based PT, that kind of thing. So for any budding entrepreneurs like yourself who might listen to this episode, what advice do you have for people who want to do what you're doing?
2: That is a great question. Um, Being relatively new at it, I think the best advice I can give is be, I've said this before lots of times, is like be very careful and very intentional with who you surround yourself with i think that like just having really good humans around you and really good people makes a world of a difference it's like i'm super lucky to have eve and the made to move team and i think i'm just learning that you can always be a better PT. there's always continued ed skills different things you can learn but being a good person and surrounding yourself with a good team is what's like really going to make the difference especially in this industry where you know relationships are everything so I think that is my biggest piece of advice you gotta have good people around you
0: Mm, preach yeah I've heard a quote before I think it says like we are the average of the five people that we associate with most I talk
2: about this all the time yeah (laughs) yeah
0: so definitely definitely good to have good good mentors good people around for sure
2: yeah, I think people would laugh if they saw some of our team meetings. They have very little to do with PT and a whole lot to do with like our core values and that kind of stuff.
0: That's right. You can always teach clinical skills. There's a but uh you know, there's a lot of smart jerks out there, so you got to be a good person at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's my biggest advice I can give.
0: <laughs> Mesa, is there uh, is there anything else that you want to weigh in on? Anything you want to plug, hopes, goals, dreams, anything else you want to talk about before we sign off?
2: Um, This has been awesome. Hopes, goals, dreams. That's a big one. I hope that people check out in the box PT. If you're a PT that wants to do this, I would say absolutely go for it. I know like you said, and a lot of people say like it's super risky or ballsy doing straight out of school, but I absolutely love it. I love what I do and I'm super happy every single day. I wake up excited to do what I'm doing. Um, So I would definitely say go for it if you're curious about it. Hit me up. It's in the boxpt.com in the boxpt on Instagram. Easy to find. Yeah.
0: Well, I was I was gonna, I thought about saying ballsy, but then I decided not to at the last minute so I said guts instead just cuz yeah, anyways.
2: Maybe that was the, <laughs> not the best choice of words. <laughs> no, no, it's
0: good. Better better you than me. <laughs> Well, well Maisa, I want to say thank you again for your time. Thank you again for coming on to the podcast. It was a, a great conversation. I'm sure that um, it's going to motivate a lot of people. Um, yeah, and I hope that, uh, yeah, hope we can get you back on again one day soon when you have about 10 clinics all around the Southeast.
2: Well, that's the plan, hopefully.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well,
1: thank you again, Maisa. We really appreciate it. And for all our listeners there, if you haven't already, please go on and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review, leave us a comment, a question. Um, it's one, how we get content for future episodes. So it's always great to get some feedback there on what you want to hear, but also the reviews and they're uh, giving us, you know, five stars really helps us reach more people. So we really appreciate when you take the time to do that It takes about 30 seconds if you haven't already. Um, again, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, trust me. Ace is a good person to know. I've sent people to her in Charleston and I'm so happy with, with everything that she's been able to do for them. So um, I, you know, definitely reach out to her user as a resource and we appreciate you for tuning in and we'll see y'all next Monday.
0: This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT specialists. One patient
1: per doctor, physical therapy per hour, guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.